0: All right, welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Sal here, Master Tate Frazier working the board. What's happening, Tate? Not too much, Sal. Happy to be here. It's good. We're You know, we're in the thick of the dog days of summer. Gambling-wise, there's an NFL preseason game on Thursday. I feel like we're getting close, but I did something nice. I gave the degenerate trifecta off this week. Let's face it, I told Harry, his Chez Revy to make the top 20 pick and the win them open. That could wait. Yeah, put, put that on Twitter. It's fine. We're going to get back down to brass taxes next week. NFL, we'll get into all of that. We have so much to do. But in their place, my co-hosts of locking In, most of them at least. First off, let me see if I can get this right. A former Las Vegas odds maker and co-founder of Bet the Board Podcast. Can I even say that? A real deal, Holyfield. Todd Furman. What's happening, Todd? Not much, Sally. It's good to talk to you. We appreciate you inviting us on the
1: podcast. Figured dog Days <laughs> of summer, nobody else was available. So this was a time that Lockett had a chance to dominate. But most importantly, you left Rachel off so we can hold the floor.
0: Yes, yes. Well, I had to. It's, fell. it's locker room talk. You know, you know how it is. And, and to complete that locker room talk, the host of Outkick, the coverage on Fox Radio, he's a best-selling author. What else can I say? He does it all. He's just an all-around jerk. He really is. Nashville's own Clay Travis. What's happening, Clay? Everything good?
2: Hey, yeah, everything is uh, ready to uh, start betting on football again more than, more than anything, honestly. I, I'm, I'm already looking at the week one line and placing some bets, so I'm ready to roll.
0: It's hard to believe we haven't seen each other in three weeks. It seems like uh, longer to me, at least. I don't know. Maybe that's a it, testament it, it, to how much fun the job is. But, right? Does it seem like yeah, a longer yeah, time I mean, in three it weeks? Really does, it doesn't feel to me like summer break. Like, I
2: was telling my wife that the other day. I was like, uh, you know how I, you know, finish, whatever it is. Like, my kids, I've got a third grader, and i got a fifth grader, and, and you know, i got one that's going to be started soon. But, like, the summer break is a huge deal for them as they come in for the next, you know, grade or whatever it is it feels like that to me right now that we're on a summer break and like everybody's going to come back to school. soon.
1: Definitely yeah, miss yeah. talking shop with you guys, but I will say their uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So getting their reprieve and not having to see everybody's ugly mug <laughs> every day at one thirty Pacific, it'll make us feel that much better when we reconvene. I mean, Sal, you have all the Intel on when season two supposed to get going, right?
0: Uh, I, you know, we're not supposed to make it official, but, um, we were told August 12th, but I'm going to guess if you tune in August 12th, you will not see any of our, uh, three ugly mugs and it'll be closer to August 19th. Why don't we put it at, uh, uh Saturday, August 17th? Why don't we make that a uh, compromise? So people, you know, we can't lead them astray one way or another, right? Yeah,
2: that's a good I point. need to lock in the 19th. Let's go ahead and just agree that we'll all show back up on the 19th.
0: That's it. Yeah, that's good. enough. I, I mean, what? There's one college game the 24th. We'll beat Miami, Florida to death. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll analyze the shit out of that. And uh, we'll, we'll be fine on the 19th. But I, but I imagine everyone who's listening to my podcast has seen the show. If not, shame on you. What we do is the three of us compete against each other. We pick games every day. Furman kicked our asses last year. Um, Furman, and you went off, you celebrated, you went to Greece or something. What did you do?
1: You know, I took advantage from all that fake money I won on the show. I had to take the girlfriend who knows I'll disappear for the next nine months uh, on a welcome reprieve, did a little history in Athens, saw some of the islands, tried to work on my tan. I mean, Sal, you and I know we're working against a stack deck every time we come on set because we don't own beach houses like Clay. So I have to take full advantage of this summer respite to at least bronze uh, my face a little bit so I can look better on air.
0: Clay hold has on. a beach house that, that he takes a break home. from his beach house, right? Clay, you're, you're, you're all over the place. <laughs> here, so. oh,
1: hold on. You
2: live essentially on the beach. So Herman's yeah. the real uh, loser here. But I do, I will admit, get a golden brown, perfect hand. And as I see right now, I'm going down to the beach again next week. So just fair warning, when we come back, I will look spectacular on television. And you guys will look like Casper the Friendly Ghost like you normally do. <laughs>
0: all right. I'm ready for that. That's fine. Um. We were lucky, uh, but Rachel Bonetta, as uh, Todd points out, our other co host, not on the podcast. Uh, but we were very, I'm trying to think a year ago right now, I didn't have this job. I don't think Rachel had this job. I mean, they really like they filled the best two positions. La- they waited and waited, but they they got it right eventually. But it is weird that we didn't have it. But I, I want to give Rachel a, a shout out. We, we're very lucky to have her, right? We give her a lot, a lot of crap. But, uh, luckily she grew up with like three older brothers and, uh, She's a great sport, right? We have to say something nice about her. That's how I see it, right?
1: There, there is no doubt she deals with more abuse on the show, especially, Sal, because she's got to share the studio in L.A. with you. So at yeah. least Clay and I are only subjected to it for about an hour a day, a little bit over text and email. Rachel's got to be up front in your face, and she's got to make sure that locker room is airtight, that she can watching her back all the time to make sure you don't have any pranks ready for her as soon as she gets to that host podium.
2: Yes. I, I Clay, she was it, the right choice, correct? On her a lot.
1: Oh, a billion percent! A phenomenal
2: choice, and we pick on her a lot, but she is incredibly talented at television and also acting and you know performance and everything else. The three of us probably could never be on any other show. Like she is going to have tremendous options going forward, and she, what I think is rare is um, uh, is really funny and doesn't take herself very seriously. And uh, in this space where. You may not realize this, but I think the younger you are, the more likely it is to hit you when people are constantly commenting on your Instagram or your Twitter or everything else. Like mm-hmm. um, you know, the three of us have kind of grown up in a different era almost. And uh, and she does she's spectacularly talented, but she's gonna leave us and be a lot more successful, whereas you and me and Furman will probably be doing this show to work it. <laughs> yes. Or actually, you're already
0: 55. So Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like that. Yeah, 50, I saw 50 uh, 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. No, but uh, honestly, I'm yeah, really yeah. glad they picked – I mean, her. they originally were going to go with Felicity Huffman, and I think that would have been a disaster, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. No, but she she really she learned the lesson. She learned the language from start. I mean, she's this she was like posing with the fantasy magazines on the beach and everything. And she really learned everything she needed to. Now she's spoofing Tom Cruise movies. She really needs to get back to work, as uh, Clay pointed out on Twitter more than anybody. But what I hear about us uh, more than anything is that we have team chemistry. Is that is that what you guys hear? We have great chemistry.
1: Well, definitely, definitely the feedback I get. I mean, people are genuinely surprised that we all get along. And as you mentioned, Sal, I mean, this time last year, I mean, we didn't know exactly that what this show was going to look like, who everybody was going to be on there. And we were kind of thrown in a room, what, guys, about seven to ten days before the show. And it was one of those things you guys either get along or we're going to figure it out on air. Uh, and I think we've kind of all grown up together. I mean, as the family atmosphere, I don't think any of us take ourselves too seriously. There is plenty of healthy competition. Uh, I'm pretty sure Clay had to see a therapist multiple times during basketball season <laughs> when he continued to finish with zero dollars. But I think as a result, that should become evident for anybody that's watched the show and realized that, hey, it's all in good fun and we do genuinely get along, so much so that over 4th of July when we were all in L.A. together, I mean, Sal, you were so gracious to let us all in your house, which is probably a mistake that you won't make in season two. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yes, I probably won't have that house in, in season two. But, yeah. Clay, do you agree <laughs> the, the chemistry is there? Is that what you hear a lot?
2: Yeah, and it's it's a hundred percent real. Um, you know, and, and Todd also kind of hit on it. We didn't know. I mean, I knew Furman for a while because he funded my DM, you know, like a decade ago, and I gave him an autographed <laughs> copy of my book. So I take credit <laughs> for all his success, in life. and that's actually one hundred percent true. That's not just uh, satire, totally. Um, and but I had I met Rachel, I think once, um, and I had never met. You. I mean, you know, we, I think we talked about this. The first time I walked into uh, to Charlie Dixon, who was putting the show together, uh, he and Whit Album were in there, and I think you was in there, uh, maybe, and they were all sitting around, and you were there, too, and I didn't, I'd did not never met you. like I didn't know. Like You were kind of sitting at the table talking, and I didn't realize that it was you. I mean, I knew the name, but I'm not really a podcast guy, and, and so I didn't know anything. And so I'm talking like... You don't have right YouTube there, was, in Nashville? I I no, like,
0: nothing like that? Yeah, no? You, yeah. you, you couldn't figure <laughs> no, no
2: clue. <laughs> And so, uh, but, but I was sitting there and I was like, Hey, uh, I told, um, you know, like I heard cousin sounds really good." guy and Charlie's like, yeah, you know, like he's here, you know, right there at the table. <laughs> um, and and the, the other one I would point out is when you guys played the prank on me of the guy who appeared to have a heart attack at the Super Bowl, Um yeah. I was mic'd up and everybody could hear everything that I was saying. I didn't realize, I didn't know I was being pranked, uh, but at some point they, uh, I went, afterwards it was funny they asked about like working with somebody asked about working with you guys and I could have like I mean I'm being honest you know I was like oh they're awesome it's fun to work with but you guys were sitting there watching it I could have been like oh they're awful I can't stand any of them Uh, you know it's funny we we had a lot of fun and one of the things we have the most fun with and I bet this is the first time this has ever happened on a sports television show for sure there's been more drama behind the scenes on the staff that works on our show than on air, you know, with us, and so uh, I, I think that's a rarity, and kind of just leads to uh, the chemistry and the fun. I think fun more than anything else that we've had going forward.
1: I mean, I yes, can't I- wait, Sal, until you publish the tell-all book about the behind-the-scenes of *Lock It In* season one. I mean, that's got New York Times bestseller written all over, right from the top.
0: Well, the I mean, the behind the scenes is always better, and I said this at Kimmel too. It would be great just to behind what goes on, and like why that's why I think Larry Sanders was so successful. But yes, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of threatened turnover in the uh, in the ranks, and uh, yes, oh no, I'm I'm writing it all down. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll come out with it uh, soon. But you know, it's funny when they talk about great chemistry. I'm starting to think Clay and uh, Todd that. That it's a backhanded compliment. I hear it so much that, hey, you guys have great chemistry. Um, Is is that saying, I don't give a crap what you're talking about, but you seem to get along? Is that, I I don't know. I, I might be taking that the wrong way. Maybe I'm just neurotic. I don't know. I
1: mean, Sal, the reality of it is they only have to listen to the picks that you and I make. They can tune out for Clay, and then Rachel, they only want to tune in when she's getting syrup dumped on her head or anything right. else that you guys can in studio. I mean, the best is I think we should start Season 2 the same way we ended Season 1, with Clay getting another 38 pies or so hit in the face so we can start on that high note and carry that momentum all the way through football season.
0: Clay well, came I'll in third place. He had, I times. think it was 38 pies. Uh, this signifies the came in last place, 38 weeks or something. He had 38 pies yeah. to the face. Clay, what are we doing? What are we, are we changing our strategy at all? Have you thought about this at all? How we're going to topple the great Todd Furman in, uh in 2019, 2020.
2: Yeah, you know, first of all, those pies got me like uh, from the from the you know like the grassy knoll style uh, <laughs> there with a couple of those shots. Like it was like the, the Bruder <laughs> film, when I went back and watched the thing. Um, I, I kind of shifted my strategy halfway through, which I think was a bad move because I wasn't in that bad a state uh, as you know, like the college football playoff ended. Now I went big on Alabama, and I thought Alabama would be Clemson, and obviously I was totally wrong about that game. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from that point forward, I kind of went uh, more aggressive in the betting than I had been for like the first three or four months. So I still don't really know what the strategy to maximize, you know, opportunity. Uh, But uh, obviously, I couldn't have been really any worse than I was. And uh, it's one, I should go back to the drawing board in some form or fashion.
0: Well, what about just, in, like, in general, you love to nail the SEC in football. I mean, you're, it's right there in your face, yeah. so why wouldn't you? But specifically, I believe, the, the over-unders. And for, for a time there, you were taking a, a, mostly unders, but then you, you shifted it around. Are you, are you studying those games? Are you even looking into that? Or are you going to have the same approach, kind of?
2: Yeah, well, I feel good. Like, the one that I know, I think, the sport that I know kind of backwards and forwards is college football. And um and I and I think in college football the coaching matters so much because the player turnover happens so frequently, uh, that it's not like the NFL where you can sit down and be like, Okay, I've analyzed every quarterback, like effectively, uh, you know, I have a good sense for what might happen in this game. Uh and and they're professionals. Like rhythm and, and momentum and everything else kind of factors in so much and so does like the head coaching uh dictate. So I think, if anything, I'm just going to go even bigger in college football. Now, I will say, guys, you and my credit, we actually bet the big games. Like, And I told Furman this from the get-go. I said, look, and this is true, like before the show even started, I said, the show is going to exist not because we're great at gambling, although hopefully we will win our fair share of bets, but because mm-hmm. people enjoy hanging out with us, right? And so you and I, to our credit, now actually bet Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, you know, the big games that people are watching. Furman's out there, you know, betting like D3 women's volleyball. uh, And you can't (laughs) even decide to make the bet. and I don't even know if it's a sporting event that takes place.
1: And it's infuriating. I really thought... So I really thought that Clay, since he had so much success over the final month of the season, uh, just trying to peg exact scores in international soccer, yeah. that that's how he was going to do all of his betting for the next season. Just hoping that one week he could hit a $100 bet at you know some ridiculous price. He could win $15,000 and hopefully sit on that pedestal for you and I to play catch-up all season long. I bet in third division, Turkish soccer, EPL, La Liga, Serie A, you name it, that Clay was just going to commit himself to picking exact scores in soccer games.
0: And by the way, that is going to be uh, uh, worse than we even had it like this year. We had women's world cup and we had NFL, uh, but the NBA free agency is not going to be like it was this year um, to to talk. So that month of July, late June or early July is going to be rough. But to our credit, I will say this, this, I heard a lot of people say this is just a football show. This is a football show. This should go away in February after the Super Bowl. But we kept it going through basketball. You guys, uh, I give you most of the credit because I kind of like boycotted NBA, uh, I think, the last three weeks of the regular season. But um, Furman, I will say, and even though you had a better winning percentage anyway, so it doesn't matter. You did say in the beginning of the year, you guys bet teams. I bet numbers. I meaning you. And, uh, And it really works out. You believe that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the
1: way you have to approach sports betting, and I know Clay has ridiculed me for years. Uh, You've gotten on the bandwagon Sal, since we just started to get to know each other over the last year. In just trying to assess, hey, which team is overvalued, which team is undervalued on a given week, you go through your power numbers, you throw out some of the marquee names and the players that are associated with it, and it leads to some bets oftentimes that are rather uncomfortable. I mean, you guys gave me shit, I think, every single week about betting against the Patriots or trying to make a case for the Browns, and that was always the market did and dictated, whereas Clay knows a lot of the players probably better than I do, especially within the SEC, and he'll bet some of the players and coaches knowing some of those matchups and a little bit of the rivalries. But you might not know that, Sal, given the fact that Clay actually finished with the worst record in college football of all of us <laughs> from a, a dollar standpoint in the red at minus a thousand. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows that league, and we should probably prohibit him from betting anything else outside his beloved SEC going forward.
2: Well, one of the challenges is. Um, you know, like we only have whatever it is, three or four bets on Friday, so you can be right on a lot of games, and if you're not right on the biggest bets by the end of the week, that's one thing that I think I probably didn't factor in as much. Um, if you're not right by the big bets at the end of the week, it doesn't really matter if you were right earlier in the week, right, because there's such a slant uh, disposition towards the back end of the, of the bet pick, and so uh, that's probably something I need to do a better job of kind of managing the banker on. Uh, so to speak, on our show in, the, uh, in season
0: two. Well, it's hard because we, we there's a balance between entertaining the public and giving them something that, uh, like you said, Clay, is going on actually that day, the Monday game, the Thursday game. But then, like you yeah, said, yeah, exactly. you have four bets on Friday. Uh, like, shit, I, I would I love the slate. There's 200 college games here and baseball and everything else. I would love to have had 10 bets here, whereas Furman's like, hey, screw it, I don't care. I like the board when I like the board, so I'm going to bet whenever I want. I don't care I, who's watching on Tuesday and needs a pick. Am I accurate with that firm? You don't care about the public.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, and I trust me and I kind of went back and forth tinkering with it. Cause like you guys said, I mean, when you look at a card, you bet a game, Hey, whether it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday, if you're betting football, basketball, whatever it is, if you like a game, you fire, but there's definitely a little bit of game theory and strategy that goes into the format of our show that if you were to bet all your bankroll on Monday and Tuesday and say you lose 600 bucks or whatever it may be, it's tough to kind of make that up over the next couple of days and have enough bullets left to fire. So if you save money, and you have a chance to fire towards the end of the week. I think the dynamic during football, guys, is so much different because you do have the games on Saturday and Sunday where that's where the weeks are determined. Whereas when we got into college basketball, baseball, and some of the other stuff in June and July, you could win or lose a week on Monday or Tuesday uh, based on an NBA game that you loved. If you won, everyone else had to play catch-up. If you lost, the other two guys that were in the mix could adjust their strategy a little bit knowing they were going to go head-to-head for the remainder of the week.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately for me, I don't think I'm going to switch up my strategy. Clay, you'd see, you, I, I have a feeling you have a little of this in you too. You know, I see Patriots over Titans minus seven. And I'm like, all right, I can get that on a money line parlay if I can find something else to put it with that even, you know, teams. And I understand you should be looking for live underdogs. That's where the value is and everything. But I look at that. I'm like, the Patriots are going to beat the Titans. Sorry to use your Titans there, Clay, but, uh, but yeah, th- no, that's no, how no, I look no, at these dumb lines. They example. jump out at me. At, how can I get that at even and not lay points since teams play well, to win? And yeah,
2: I think I'm like I, you guys a little bit. I love when the lines come out every week in the NFL and college. I know you predict them, Sal, and I know Todd. Mm-hmm. You model them, and you have your own computer algorithms that are projecting them all the time. Whatever you're doing, uh, like your robot that you are. But I love watching it like stock market, right? Like the minute that those numbers come out, I enjoy diving in, especially over-unders, uh, but if I think the number's a little bit off, and betting it. And then by the time we come on Monday afternoon, sometimes those numbers have firmed up a little bit. Um, so I-, I think there's almost a show, and I'm probably giving us more words here, but I think there's almost a show like Sunday night, as soon as all these lines come out, where you know, you're know you already looking ahead to the next week. I know there's Sunday night football. But I feel like a lot of gamblers who love football in particular on, you know, those, those Sunday and uh, the college football and the NFL lines as they're all coming out. I mean, that's like stock market opening. That's like Christmas morning every day, every week for me. And I love just watching the way they move, watching the way the you know, information filters in. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed by how many times I click refresh to see what the numbers are doing during football season.
0: I agree. And you know what? With, with the line, it's funny you say that, Clay, because I think that Sunday night game was is totally made up just for the gamblers who need to double up on their losses Catch on up. Sunday during yeah, the day exactly. or lose their money that they won during the day. And that said, <clears throat> you know, after you lose on the Sunday game, at least the gamblers I know, they don't take a lot of time to uh, lick their wounds. They want to look ahead at the next week. What, what are the next week's lines? And Furman, it's funny because you you know, I, I, if I see like the, pay, the Rams are playing uh, Tampa Bay or something at home and the line goes from seven and a half and the, throughout the week it goes to eight or eight and a half. And then when it gets to eight and a half, you're like, no, 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 I, I don't like it. I was like, I don't give a shit if it's eight and a half. This team's going to win by two touchdowns. But you'll maintain that those numbers, even though they're not key numbers, seven and a half to eight and a half over the course of a year, that's going to that's going to affect your bankroll.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously in football, there's some numbers that are much more common. And with the change in the two-point conversion and the extra point, I mean, we don't see three uh, coming up as often as it did in the past. A lot more emphasis on one and two. Uh, But that's the one thing, Sal. I mean, I talk to my buddies all the time who they go, hey, who do you like in a game? I go, well, you know, I bet team A and I laid uh, three. Oh, I'm going to lay three and a half. If you consistently do that over the course of the full season, it's not going to work in your favor. And that's how the numbers kind of dictate it. So whether it's a three, whether it's a four, whether it's a six, uh, you can ask Clay about how he's taken non-key numbers and over-unders and end up having to eat crow because he loves to celebrate victories early on Twitter before tickets actually cash. So much of what you do, especially uh, in football or even basketball, uh, it's all about the number. And that's going to uh, make the difference between a winning season and a losing season. Uh, but I know a lot of folks out there, hey, they want to bet the Sunday night or Monday night game. They're not going to be nearly as price sensitive, where I have no problem going, shit, I haven't bet a primetime game in three weeks. No reason to change that now.
0: Yeah. Clay, I don't even think I need to ask you this question, but what was your worst beat of, uh, I know they answered that, worst beat of uh, 2019 for you?
2: Uh, I think well, there's a couple, but the, the one that would have really I think made it a little bit more interesting down the stretch was I had the U.S. to win. We're talking about the exact score, five nothing, um, yeah. in the uh, in in that one, and so they scored with like ten seconds left to go. Uh, I think it was six nothing in their game against was it Trinidad and Tobago. The worst beat mm-hmm. by far in real life was the you know nearly sixty thousand dollars that you and I lost on the oh. uh, the blown pass interference call in the, uh, in the Saints game, which we evidently have got Roger Goodell going under, oath <laughs> about either. But I'd like to be your attorney too. I'd like to be part of that defense team, uh, able to, uh, to grill him on, uh, on whether or not they'll make a, a contribution to our to the scholarship fund.
0: By the way, I love that. You're right. look, I, I don't care. It's going to go nowhere. I understand, but anytime he has to testify, anytime that guy has to wear a nice suit and feel uncomfortable, well, I'm, I'm good with that. And of course they changed the rule so that, uh, Allegedly, this year, if that had happened, um, we we would have some recourse. They would be be able to look at yeah, you know on what's going
2: to happen now, right? We're going to lose a bet this year because of the rule change. Like that's a hundred percent guaranteed. Like that's what's going to happen. I have zero <laughs> doubt they're going to go back. We're going to be like, oh, we're in great shape, and it's going to flip back, and we'll lose a bet now because they changed the rule.
0: Let me reset that real quick. So we we like this that there's a there's a service called Prop Swap, and they buy. Um, prop tickets that anyone's made in any of the legal uh, casinos in uh, in the uh, United States and you could buy them. So if people if someone has 20 to 1 on the um the Saints and they want to sell it uh midway through the playoffs, they look for buyers and Clay and I saw that and we saw some nice value in that and Furman was we thought was in on this too. Uh he agreed the numbers m- matched up. We we kind of like the Saints. And he backed out at the last minute, which should have been our, which should have been our, uh, our key right there. We should have seen that that was a mistake. Yeah. And Furman, Furman, admit right now that you were rooting against us.
1: I was not rooting against you. If I had money on the other side, then I would have been rooting against you. And so honestly, that's the toughest part of the show sometimes, because I know we all bet the games. And so while I want to root against you guys for show bets. I don't want anybody that I talk to to ever really lose a bet unless I'm on the other side. So for that, I was rooting for you guys and I kind of put my head down the same way with the non-call in the pass interference, knowing how much skin you guys had in the game, seeing Clay's reaction, knowing he now has to cater to every one of his wife's whims for how she wants to, spend oh, his millions fantastic. of dollars in media so it's yeah. not just that moment there or living with that bad gambling beat for you married men it's the long-term ramifications and the guilt you have to shoulder going forward for what three to five years at minimum before the statute of limitations oh, wears off
2: three to five years at minimum no woman ever did anything i'm screwed for life now my wife i mean that was the, that was the toughest part about the loss to me was as soon as she realized how much money i lost she just said with dead seriousness could never complain about anything i buy it again, and and yeah. you know, i was like well you know probably not gonna buy something that costs 20,000 dollars without checking with me so uh you're probably right
0: i got the same speech and it, it, it probably takes three years off your marriage and now you have less money in the uh divorce proceedings the inevitable divorce yeah it yeah, sucks it sucked all around it wasn't good it wasn't good at all and for anyone who <laughs> thinks fox i i still get to this thing like oh fox backed you guys they funded that bet no, sorry, not even a little bit. I no, think some of the executives no, no, no. commented that they were sick to their stomach, which is as, as good as it got in terms of uh, 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 paying us back, but I don't know.
2: <laughs> I, I yeah, do think this sh- a great end-of-the-season bonus that they had been like, and oh, by the way, it was such good you know, advertising. We got way more than $58,000 in attention. Here, we're refunding you the pack, right? That would have been like right. such a great way. Instead, I got hit with 38.5. Yeah, I I do think
1: this year, though, I mean, knowing uh, what we do about kind of the format, how the season will play out, we have to come up with a a unique side bet that we can work on, whether it's the losers donating money to charity or however we want to try and see it. Yes, we bet all the games, but there's got to be something from a real world equivalent that'll correlate to our bankrolls that we could come up with, maybe get the network to get on board with uh, a lot of our loyal viewers and have some real fun with it as far as an additional standing board uh, and extra money that goes out to a good charitable cause.
0: So I agree. Well, you're the smart one. I like you you that figure idea. that out for us. But and Todd, I, I joke that you didn't have any bad beats. Um, I, I, didn't, I don't know. I still maintain that's the case. But tell me, tell me one, because people like to hear about bad beats. What was your worst of the year?
1: Oh, I mean, mine wasn't show-related. There were a couple, I mean, half points here or there, but nothing uh, that really stung too, too bad on the show. Mine, hands down, uh, happened towards the tail end of the season. It was in NASCAR in a race that probably about eight people watched, much like my Division Three women's netball that Clay makes fun of all the time. <laughs> um, Ross Chastain, 30-1 to 1 to win the truck race. I believe it was Gateway, although I can't remember exactly the track there, Iowa. He goes off at around eight to one. Oddsmakers kinda blew the price there, had one of the best trucks, leaves that thing more or less box to wire. Wins stage one, wins stage two, wins the entire race. Well, in NASCAR, they have to wait about up to two hours for whatever car or truck wins the race to pass post-race inspection. Well, Chastain's truck doesn't pass post-race inspection. Uh. And for the first time in 50-plus years, uh, NASCAR overturns the winner. And because I bet through a legal channel and it wasn't offshore or anywhere else, they went, you know, we only grayed out whoever nascar recognizes as the winner so i go from being able to buy myself a nice small car should i have been so inclined to having absolutely nothing and a story that i could talk about on air i'm just disappointed sal you didn't pick ross chastain the following week in the truck race to troll me effectively on air
0: <laughs> and he won didn't he the following week or was, that, was yeah, that he did come ago. back
1: and win the following week which made it that much worse although he uh he went off that race i think right around seven one
0: uh, ironically, it cost you a car. Awesome. It's unbelievable. Do, you, uh, do you, Clay? Do you feel like it's sometimes personal? Like I, I'm, I'm such a baby with these things. I feel like it's personal when we get beat on a bad call or something like that. It's it's amazing that I'm able to bounce back.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, look, when it, there there are times where I just play in bed and stare at the ceiling, and and I care, you know, I mean, still in my own, you know, like being a fan. Like when Tennessee lost to Purdue on that, you know, they fouled them with three. Know, what two seconds left, and they hit two out of yeah. three, and they went to overtime. Like, I slept like two hours that night, right? Like, I'm just mm-hmm. playing it, man. Like, I'm 40 years old, rolling around thinking to myself, I'm way too old to care what happens, you know, with 18 and 19 and 20 year olds when the Titans lose a bad game. Yes, and certainly when my side loses from a gambling perspective. I definitely, like, I remember I lost a lot of money on a uh, Vanderbilt football game a couple of years ago, uh, because. Florida scored on the fourth down play when they should have kneeled, right? And so I'm just standing up, screaming the whole way. He ran like six yards for a touchdown. The clear oh. play is take a knee and the, you know, the game's over, and that got him the cover. And I, I also had one a couple of years before that where you got like on the final play of the game, they were doing an onside kick for some reason, and the guy ran it back for a touchdown. And you're just sitting there like, why is the world alive to against me? I think everybody who gambles definitely
0: thinks that. I think so too, but Furman, the robot that he is, he did it the right way. Now I think probably when he was young, he liked teams. He actually rooted for teams separate from gambling, but he's kind of shut that down. And now, and I think oh, yeah. I would have done the same way had I known that this is what what uh, my fate would be. But you don't have to complicate your your love affair with teams with your betting, and it, it just gets it's crazy with the pools and the fantasy and everything else. You can only have so much emotion thrown. Todd, would you recommend not having a favorite team to people?
1: I mean, if you're going to do this recreationally, I think it's good to still have your favorite teams and have that level of attachment. But if you want to take it a little more seriously, there's no doubt about it, Sal. I mean, I grew up a Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, Giants fan. Used to go down to U.S. Cellular or whatever the hell it's called in Chicago now to watch the Yankees every time they came to town. I remember 1994 when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, running around the house when they broke their 50-plus year jinx. Uh, to try and bring the hardware to Madison Square Garden. But at this point, I mean, you honestly have to look at all these teams as just nameless and faceless. Yeah, you look at them like stocks. You don't get too attached to Google or Amazon. If you feel it's an opportunity to buy, you buy. If you feel it's an opportunity to sell. And my dad's running joke is that I really have no soul when it comes to sports because I'll bet against my favorite teams. And while well, I'll root for them, if I don't have money in the game, it won't really impact. Uh, some of the impartial nature for how I try and go about finding winners in yeah. the game.
0: And speaking of father, son, kids, like Clay, we take it to a different level. We make our kids uh we force them to like these terrible teams that we follow. And uh case in point, uh, I took the family to San Francisco last week, forced them to watch the Mets lose in a walk-off to uh call Stramski's grandson in in uh in whatever Oracle park that, whatever it is. That, and I was like, no, sorry. This is how it is. You like the Mets. I don't care that you weren't born in New York. You have to, you have to like the Mets. You live in California. You like the Mets. That's how it is. Do you <laughs> yeah, feel the my, same way.
2: My middle. Yeah. My middle son was like, dad, but your team's never win. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, at some point they might actually win, which is why, um, uh, you know, like, the, uh, the, the, the Titans finally winning a playoff game. I was like, gee, sometimes your team does win. Now, of course, you know. Marcus Mariota probably while we're doing this uh, podcast is as torn his ACL and be out for the year. That's a, I, that's not happened, but that's just right. kind of what I anticipate given the way my team's looks go.
0: Hey, listen, you have the highest paid uh, safety that no one ever talks about in, in all of the NFL. So you can't complain. <laughs> it's weird that <laughs> yeah, we right, have the last exactly. time to watch <laughs> Let and me and let the me the the
2: ask the guys highest 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 line, it it you guys one more
0: thing. Do you? It seems like that. an obvious answer, but I'll I'll, I'll qualify it. Do, do you think you have a gambling problem? In that. Would you be able to forego betting week one? I'll start with you, Furman.
1: You know what? I don't ever see it as a problem as long as you control it. I know people are out there going, oh, this guy, he's lying through his teeth. He's only kidding himself. Uh, I wouldn't give up week one only because I feel there's a massive edge to be had uh, until everybody figures out who's going to be good and who's going to struggle. But I could take a week off during the season. Would it be a challenge during football? For sure. Uh, But during the month of July, perfect example, I think I've made six bets in total uh, if I back out everything, not including the Open Championship. So if there's value to be found, great. If not, hey, I'm more than happy to take a couple weeks away. But football season, probably the toughest where you do have a little bit of that degenerate streak in you.
0: I don't think I could uh, do it. Honestly, I, I not football. I, I'm, I'm struggling with the Thursday night game, staying away from it, the uh, preseason game. Clay, what, what about you? It do, doesn't it seem like, I mean, we have jobs where we could legitimately just talk about gambling and not gamble, but could you not, could you stay away from betting?
2: Week one, I think it would be almost impossible because there's just so much excitement. You know, it told me that I had to take a random, you know, like November weekend off because something was going on. I th- I could manage that. I hate taking on any football weekend at all. Uh, but I think I could manage it. But week one I don't know that I could. Like I, I, I could like I, I I got asked this the other day, like, how much would you have to get paid to not ever watch another football game on television? And I'm like, oh, Man I, I don't even know what the number is, you know, from a sheer enjoyment in my life, especially now with my age, like I don't have that money, you know, just awesome experiences. It's not like I'm 24 years old out at the bar and shaking girls all the time or something. like Football is kind of my favorite thing now.
0: Of course. Now, someone once asked me, music or sports? I was like, "Ah, I'd give up music, and I I got a lot of shit for that. I was like, "Oh, I I couldn't even... I mean, I guess the the music helps the highlights but that I watch, but um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) music in a second, I would give it up. What do you think, Furman, though? I I feel like sports gambling is getting a big boost, and obviously a lot of people are talking about, but don't you feel that it's not going to be put over the top until California, New York, Illinois, Florida go legit on it. Don't you think that'll be a big, that'll be a bigger boom that we haven't even seen yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing, and to use a political example, it's like the Electoral College. Like, who? No one gives a shit when they're watching the elections how Vermont and Maine and Rhode Island are going to impact the race. You wait for the big states to come on board. So until New York has full mobile, until Illinois decides to go full mobile, you mentioned California, Texas, a lot of those population centers and everything else, sports gambling is good, and it's definitely headed in the right direction, but the numbers we're seeing in Nevada, New Jersey, and some of these other states are going to get absolutely dwarfed, and I think that's honestly when we're going to hit critical mass and this runaway freight train that's just getting started right now ends up going full speed and i don't think anything is going to stand in its path and we can only hope for obviously for our sake that means a lot more eyeballs on our show uh, every single day monday through friday Absolutely. yeah the other thing i would add on that is i'm in
2: tennessee if we have online only which is probably going to be officially able to bet after the first year when they get everything ironed out but mm-hmm. i think there's number of people that want to gamble legally and maybe haven't done it already, right? And so a lot of people say, oh, well, now how's it going to change that suddenly it's legal in Texas or California or New York or whatever it is? Wouldn't those people already have their own dye or be using an offshore or whatever else? I think there's a huge percentage of people that until something is officially legal, they won't do it. Like, I just came from Colorado. There's a huge number of people who will, like, eat an edible in Colorado because it's illegal that would have never, ever thought about trying to, you know, try any kind of cannabis-related product until it was officially legal. And I think that's going to be true for sports gambling,
0: too. That would be great. And by the way, Clay is cleaning up because he's uh, part owner of a bar now. Will you be watching some games at that bar? You you can plug it right now. What's it called?
2: Yeah, people are in Nashville, downtown Sporting Club, we bought a bar. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it for football season. We're going to do some events around college football and the NFL. I mean, you can go to a Titans game and walk from our bar, you know, right to the NFL uh, stadium. So I think we'll do a lot of fun things around uh, college football
1: and the NFL. I can't wait. Hey, Sal, yeah, serious Arnold. question, though, about Clay's bar. If Clay goes to the bar, doesn't actually know people that are at the bar, does that count as him watching football with friends?
0: <laughs> I posed that question uh, early in the season. When was the last time you watched football with friends? And Clay, yeah, he scratched his head. I, I still don't think I've gotten an, uh, received an answer.
2: Well, if I'm at home I'm watching with my kids because uh but right. I, I get to go to games with friends. So uh so th- that's pretty fun, but all my friends have young kids and the last thing yeah. we want to do is bring more young kids with other young kids. So I need my uh, I watch most games at my house uh with my phone by my side uh like uh like a degenerate that I am being able to get halftime lines and
1: whatnot. I mean, Sal, right. you're probably the only guy of the three of us that, you know, when it comes to you know, NFL games on Sunday, you watch with a group of buddies. I mean, I watch all the games in my office here, and I kind of eliminate all the distractions and everything else. So you probably watch more games with friends than Clay and I do combined over the course of a full season.
0: I have it good because I have it both ways. Because I get to ki- bring my kids to Corolla's warehouse where he where he keeps yeah, uh, so his classic fun. Paul Newman cars, but it's also a gigantic space where everyone could sp- uh, sprawl out and play on their iPads for uh, six hours. So I get to watch with the fellas yeah, and pretend to have an eye on the on the children up, uh, too. Now, but you'll you uh, get this, Furman. A couple uh, more trips to Greece, you you'll knock up the uh, the girlfriend, and you'll you'll see you'll see <laughs> this all. This hey, all don't don't you. try and plant that seed in the universe.
1: I don't need that kind of negative karma, cell. So.
0: Alright, well I know you have to go off to get your teeth shaved or something but uh, pl- plug uh, plug your podcast Todd, it's popular, it's fun uh, it's Hey, good. I appreciate you getting yeah. us
1: on uh, Bet the Board Podcast, I mean it doesn't compare to what you guys are doing here uh, when it comes to breaking, but we break down a little more of the X's and O's, folks can check that out, we'll actually start doing our college football previews uh, actually as soon as next week, so have those ready to go and it is the perfect compliment, Sal to listening to your podcast every single week during football season.
0: There you go, thanks, and Clay, you have a podcast in addition to the radio show you don't stop working at all
2: yeah i think check me out at outkick.com or find me on twitter at play travis i do an early morning radio show uh, i the coverage on fox sports radio nationwide and then obviously i can't wait to get rolling with the show this fall
0: yes it's going to be travis a lot of fun on. we return either september 12th or september 19th and i think <laughs> i think that's a good uh, plan play we'll just show up the 19th and uh let them deal with it
2: yeah, August the nineteenth. But yeah, we'll be good
0: there, to go. There you go. All right, fellas. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having all right, us, all right. That'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds. Hit us up on email, cousin Sal, against all odds at gmail.com. Watch Jimmy Kimmel live every weeknight, eleven thirty-five on ABC. Lock it in. Returns August nineteenth, four thirty to five thirty PM on FS one for Todd Furman, Clay Travis, and Master Tate Fraser. I'm Sal. Saying so long and happy handicapping. No!